0: Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They took it away.
1: Now, Ed, we just did a segment that was so great that Jared sitting in the studio, instead of listening to us, retweeted a tweet that says, seriously, a monkey could bark."
0: This is the Press Box. The last
1: two days on our opening segments, there's two segments we have for the best stuff. Now, you're probably going to have to play them on a loop because there's not a lot of best stuff on the show. But we got to pay attention during these times.
0: With Graney and Bischoff.
1: Coming up next, we find out if monkeys can bartend. On ESPN, Las Vegas. (laughs) Lindsey Brown is in studio for Ed Graney. Morning. Danny. Is here for Jared, not to air everybody else's, uh, bad nights, but I would phrase it this way. I had to take my dog to the vet last night because he has an eye ulcer and I had the best night between me, Jared and Ed.
2: Yeah. I think the, the debate is who is facing more adversity at this point in their lives. The, the press box or the Vegas gold Knights. That is a good,
1: very good question. Yeah. We have a lot of players on uh, long-term IR on this show as well. So Lindsay and Danny, are here with me. We'll Happy to be here. It's going to be Yeah, it is going to be a great show. Uh, we'll get into the Golden Knights. We'll get into some NFL and the Minnesota Vikings, oh, if they're yes. any good. Um, <laughs> plus a little bit of Raiders and some UNLV basketball later in the show. Here we go, Danny. The first bite.
2: God, you're good at this.
3: Will injuries ruin another season for the Golden Knights?
1: All right, here we go. Long-term IR for the Golden Knights right now. Uh, Zach Whitecloud, Brett Howden. Nolan Patrick and Shea Weber, who are guys that were going to be on there all year. Anyways, pr- plus Robin Leonard, which was the big one to start the season or that was in in the off season. Yeah. Um, so that's their current long-term IR list. They also have Jack Eichel on regular IR. Uh, so Jack Eichel can come back relatively soon. If he is healthy, he has a lower body injury that is causing him to miss time. It's not the puck to the face that gave no, him the fine. giant black eye; it's just a flesh wound. <laughs> it's a lower body injury. Um, White cloud had the apparent knee injury disastrous gets put on long-term IR. So, you know, it's going to be uh, a month minimum, Uh, but there is a chance that Zach white Cloud's season is over for the golden Knights, non-injury related. uh, Alex Petrangelo is also out as well uh, due to an illness in the family. And Shay Theodore has not been put on IR or long-term IR, but he is currently missing games due to an injury. So,
2: a lot of bum wheels. It's
1: a lot. So I'm going to give you this. Last year, the Golden Knights were in a playoff spot as late as January. Mm-hmm. And then February, March, and April fell fell apart, right? And right. it was largely due to injuries. This year's team gets off to a 13-2-0 start. Uh, this year's team is still first in the Pacific Division. This year's team is probably going to be in a playoff spot in January. Mm-hmm. Is it possible we're looking at the same thing that happened last year where injuries derail what looks like a promising season?
2: I mean, it certainly feels like it. But I, I, to me, the way that this team plays and the way that Bruce Cassidy coaches, I feel like they're better equipped to weather the storm. And and I, and I it's because of the structure. But when you are missing not just your top score and Jack Eichel, for me, having th- your top three defensemen out, is a huge challenge, is a huge challenge, and that's why, like, seeing Zach Whitecloud go out is a huge disaster scenario for me, because he's not obviously the most flashy defenseman. he's not the most productive, at least in the offensive end, but he's certainly their most safe defenseman. Like I I think Alec Martinez has lost a little bit of the step, which is fine. Like that's, that's to be expected when you get to his age and the minutes that he's played, but white cloud enables so many other people to go out and be their best selves. And so his absence is going to loom very large. Maybe it's just a month. Like if it's a non torn ACL and everything like that's a winning combination for me, but it it did not look good the other night.
1: Losing, three guys at the same positions
2: yeah so quickly too in in succession
1: and again Shea Theodore or excuse me Alex Trangelo it's uh not an injury related it's family illness so we'll see when he comes back uh and Theodore was not put on IR or long-term IR but he went
2: knee-to-knee as well which is uh, a huge scary injury for anybody who plays hockey just the the colliding bodies
1: but what it means right now for the Golden Knights what what are the defense pairs going to look like do you have like because okay we're gonna have alec martinez braden McNabb, yep. nick Hague. yep and then ben hutton Caden korzak danil miromanoff uh they called up braden pashal like yesterday w- do you have any guess as to what the well daily face look off
2: like? based off what it was the other night you had martinez and nick Hague at the at the top pairing and then you had Braden McNabb and zach white cloud and then third pairing was ben hutton and Daniil Mironov with obviously White Cloud going out. Daily Faceoff has Nick Hag and Alec Martinez together. Brady McNabb with Daniil Mironov, and then Ben Hutton with Braden Picard. And so that makes me nervous. Is,
1: they've <laughs> gone from feeling really good about one all of the three deepest defensive pairings. cores in the league. Right? Yep. I mean, you're talking about and you like White Cloud and picked off one from Hague. each yes. pair. That's yep. what
2: that's what's happened.
1: And now it's okay. Somehow it's Daniil Mironov yep. is is a second pair defenseman. You have the
2: guy on stilts who showed up late in Nicholas Hag. (laughs) You have Alec Martinez, who's uh, an absolute weapon, but like I said, has lost a little bit and, uh, and not exactly the defenseman that he used to be. Brady McNabb, who is playing relatively well, but isn't great in space. We like to have him near the boards or at least out in front where he can box people out really well. Daniel Merrimanoff, who's a great kind of power play guy to slide in since the power play has been so disrupted. But again, someone who hasn't taken his, gaps always so super clean and it has has uh, busted a couple rushes going the wrong way Ben Hutton who looked awful. Before, he took a, a bad penalty in the game the other night against Boston, and then he was probably the best player on the ice, so hopefully he can carry that over. That momentum it carries, <laughs> the, it carries.
3: The momentum of taking and a penalty? Then, yeah.
2: Well, he just he came out angry. <laughs> he came out pissed off, and then all of a sudden, he started getting a couple more chances. He started calling his own number, and sometimes you just need to get punched in the mouth to be like, oh, yeah, I'm in a hockey game. And then, uh, Pacal, like I haven't seen him play, but you know there there's been a lot of struggles for the henderson silver knights so far this year but the last 3 4 games they've been i think they've won 3 in a row for the first time this year and so at least your vibe in a little bit but that it's it's going to be a different ask for your forward group and specifically your centermen And it's going to be a different ask for your goaltenders, but you don't want to add, you don't want to add more. You just say, well, you just keep doing what you do and we're going to do a better job of cleaning up in front of you. But there's only so much cleaning up you can do and then also have the energy to go score goals. That's where I'm wondering of like how this team is going to manage their energy levels and, and when to turn on the jets, when to, when to make a decision and, and back off a little bit.
1: So, okay. On the idea of structure and also this managing your energy levels, where to expend it. A lot of praise to Bruce Cassidy, or at least early in the year. It's fallen off a little bit, but mm-hmm. the the system and the structure is preventing teams from scoring, and they don't give up many high <coughs> danger chances. They're still top ten in uh, five on five goals allowed, high danger chances, expected mm-hmm. goals, and all that. Um, is it still possible to do that when you don't have Theodore Petrangelo and White Cloud? Like, is the system good enough that oh yeah, just Miramanov and Hutton, and right. like they can do it too? Or is there like is it like oh they just can't run it well enough and they're going to get torched because of it?
2: No, they can run it almost too well sometimes because you can kind of just go into a turtle shell in the defensive zone and you just keep everybody to the outside. You're like we'll get perimeter shots. You're not gonna come in and bull rush for rebounds. Like that's where you you get those goals in the power play because they just have one more person and so you can have Patrice Bergeron sneak around the bottom and then get wide open in the slot because you just you're not gonna commit one of those guys to chase him because if they leave their post then you're leaving a much bigger piece of ice and opportunities open to uh, a, a lower danger chance, but still you have to keep that just to make sure that everybody has to run through certain circuits to even get to that successful chance rather than just like giving it to them. What I get worried about is them get it getting stuck in their defensive zone for too long and that's what Cassidy's system is built on is to withstand that. but then they're not getting pucks out as well. and that's where the golden Knights need to be more okay with, a disjointed breakout where you put a couple of them off the glass and you just chase it off in the neutral zone because sometimes it's just about getting the line change rather than uh, some time in the offensive zone. And that's what I mean in terms of where do we expend energy? Is it time for me to go chase a puck even though I just took a 40-second defensive shift and I'm going to go on a rush and hopefully somebody's going to be there to support me? Or do I go off and change? Because you can get caught in the cycle of just doing defense out, defense out. And so this is a team that struggled scoring, especially at home.
1: Yeah, you just described what sounds like it's going to be a 60-minute penalty kill for the Golden Knights tonight. It can look
2: like that. <laughs> it can, But you can find success that way. Like That's how crappier teams are, manage to stay in games. I mean, that's what Philadelphia did the other night to the Golden Knights. That's what the LA Kings were doing a couple years ago when they were down and out and didn't have as much talent before the rest of their guys kind of came up. But you can find ways to win games as, uh, if you remain committed. But it's also about... Like I said, managing those decisions and, and making sure that guys can execute on those offensive chances when they get them, even if they're not necessarily spending a lot of time in the offensive zone. Like that's a different skill set.
1: All right. Obviously injuries are going to play a part of this, uh, over the next couple of weeks and probably longer than that, Yep. but Golden Knights play 30 games. If you break it down into two 15 game segments, first 15, 13, two, and oh, second 15, Seven, seven, and one. Which one do you think is the more real Golden Knights? Which one are the Golden Knights closer to? Are they the 13-2-0, clearly a Stanley Cup contender, Mm -hmm. or are they a 500 team that is fighting for a playoff spot?
2: Let me ask you uh, an honest question. Outside of that one road trip, you went
1: five zero. Yeah,
2: yeah. Where you have the the win over the Washington Capitals three to two in OT, you got away with one there. You have a five to four win against the Ottawa Senators, which is just like a barn burner that you ended up um, winning in the end. A six to four victory in Montreal again, one that you kind of got away with. Toronto, which was a better game four to three in overtime with Riley Smith, and then the Buffalo Sabers game where you were vibing on a ton of juices and motivation. Outside of those handful of games. Do you feel like the Golden Knights have been a dominant team?
1: They So that five-game road trip, and that was a part of the first 15. Correct. They were top three in basically every mm-hmm. analytical stat you could look at in the NHL. Like, they were winning those games, and it wasn't simply, oh, they're stealing some. Like, they were out. They were playing. winning
2: games, but they were winning 5-4, 6-4, 4-3, 7-4. Like, that's where I look at this, is that what types of games are they capable of winning Mm -hmm. and overall on a night-to-night basis I don't feel like they've reached their potential as a team like the playing let's play 60 minutes 20 minutes at a time shift by shift like it's all coach speak but it's very real and I don't feel like the Golden Knights have managed to to string along a ton of complete victories especially at home but that's you know it's it's a different um, conundrum at, at home versus away right now, but for me right now, they're they're a team that's closer to 500. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you don't want to be the hot to trot team in November, December. You want those those streaks to be coming real later on in the season. But right now, I, I don't think they're they're playing that that great as a hockey team.
1: I believe they're closer to the 500 team. Mm-hmm. If they're close to full strength when we get to the postseason, they're going to have a chance to beat 100% pretty much anybody. They have game
2: breaker ability if they have everybody at their disposal. That game against Buffalo shows that.
1: But we say this seeming like every year with the Golden Knights, if they're healthy, injuries are a part of the sport. Like constant. Like, yes, the Golden Knights had some bad injury luck last year and they're not off to a great start this year. But look at Colorado right now; like it's not—they're not the only team that deals with this. You're gonna have guys hurt, even if Eichel, White Cloud, Petrangelo, Theodore all come back. Right? In, it's February, and they're all back. Smith, So and Hague might be out or something like that. Like you're gonna deal with injuries in this sport. So, if you're relying on, well, if we're healthy, we're got a real shot. You probably aren't gonna have a real shot because you probably aren't gonna be 100 percent healthy mm-hmm. when you come to the postseason. So. I think there's the chance they're a true contender, but it does feel like a team that's going to be in the playoffs, but sort of be a, uh, maybe they went around, but mm-hmm. that might be the ceiling of this. They kind of feel
2: like the LA chargers right now where there's a ton of expectation. They chargers, have a lot of talent. Lot of too. Yeah. And, and they, they started off with some injuries with their season that kind of derailed a little bit, but, but they're super talented and can probably beat any team. And so it's just, how long is this bout of adversity going to go in terms of you missing those pieces of talent? And what can you find? What can you fortify? What identity can you forge out for yourself in their absence? Because you can become a very, very good hockey team, a hard hockey team to play against during this time as well. It is allowed.
1: All right, we're going to jump into the NFL next as we look at which teams in the playoff hunt are actually any good.
0: Goff will take the direct snap, single back is swift. Goff turns, fakes the pitch, throws, end zone, t- Touchdown Detroit Lions! Cousins out of the shotgun, rolls to the left, throws to the left, to the end zone. Touchdown KJ! Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff.
2: Featuring All-American Lindsey Brown.
1: Lindsey in today uh. for Ed Grainy with Danny running the show. Uh, so last night... Lindsay tells me we need to do a segment uh, NFL playoff team gut check. That's right. What I, is it? What is a gut check?
3: It by looks the way? like Lindsay just had one when I played that. I was, yeah, it, was just, it
2: was the liner makes me uncomfortable. And then you had a couple of Vikings highlights. So I don't know what could be a worse start than what it is. But in terms of a gut check, it's kind of like, you know, when you're fighting with your siblings or your cousins and you're like lying about something. And so they put you in a headlock or they, they just try to put you in a physically compromising position. Tell the truth. Like a gut check, you get punched in the in the stomach.
1: Gut. Like, have you, have you ever it been is punched because, in the gut? Y- yes. Why is, why is it different than? Because other you
2: automatically like regurgitate the truth. You're saying that's right. That like this team is legit. If you punched me in the stomach and you asked me. This is the answer I would give, because if if I'm going to lie to you, there might be another one. I on was the way. thinking
1: more along the lines, if I punch Kirk Cousins in the stomach, is he going to still win a playoff game?
2: I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Then
1: he would fail the, the jury
2: track. on uh, Kirk Cousins and his ability to rise to the occasion is still very much uh, up in the air. And that's not even the worst part about this Vikings team right now.
1: All right. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. What are the Vikings?
2: Well, what's our, what's our scale here? Do you, do we, do we say like playoff contender? Do we say we're not really sure about it? Cause I'm really unsure about them. And granted, like I was unsure about them all season long. And then the Buffalo game you happened And so I'm, I'm on, but let's just say I'm, I'm getting off to, to use the restroom at the train <laughs> station and then I'll hop back. That's on. not how
1: bandwagons work. They oh, don't it's, stop. This is, this is a they different type of
2: wagon because their defense is really not that good. Like they've given up at least four hundred yards, I think at least the last three games, and they have seven fourth quarter turnovers, which has saved their ass several times down the stretch and probably gotten them a couple more wins. And so right now, they're first round elimination for me. They'll make obviously. I mean, they're leading the division by so much. But, so
1: the way this sets up, most likely, yeah, the Vikings are currently ten and three. They're almost certainly going to get the two seed,
2: so they get a their, home playoff their, game their in the first schedule, round.
1: Their schedule to end the year is not very difficult. Uh, they're probably going to be a thirteen win team. Uh, oh. It'd be it'd be pretty hard for What's them to be anything called? less than a twelve win team. Which means that the Eagles are likely to get the one, and then the Cowboys. Even if the Cowboys have a better record or the same record as the Vikings, are going to be a wild card team. Which means. The Vikings will be ahead of them. And I don't think San Francisco will catch them. Uh, although they still could so would
2: they fe- face Dallas? Like would they face no, the top so wild card team or the, the bottom worst. one? So they'd the worst be the two one.
1: and they would get whoever ends up as the seventh seed, Currently which is the Giants. Yeah. It oh, could be, I like that. Could be the Giants, could be the Commanders, could be the Seahawks. Uh the Lions exist. They're sort of in this playoff race. That's true. There is a slight chance it's the Green Bay Packers.
2: No,
3: there's not. I think it's either gonna be the Commanders or the Lions.
2: And I like the Commanders. They beat the Commanders this year, not by much, yeah. not by much. <laughs> but you know, the Tyler or Taylor Heineke revenge game would loom large, though.
3: So Taylor Heineke's on one right now. Yeah, he
2: for sure is, especially with the shoe deal that you've yeah. uh, enlightened us about.
3: I hate that I'm a Cowboys fan, but I'm cheering for Taylor Heineke just because of his contract,
2: yeah, and
1: because of what he's doing with his contract. The dumb shoes, yeah. Game respects yeah. Game. fantastic shoes. <laughs> it's it's kind of dumb. I mean,
3: I I would never do that because I'm not a shoe guy.
1: Tell people what he's doing because we're just talking about it with no explanation. His his
3: contract, the way it's structured, is he gets a $125,000 bonus bonus for every game that the Commanders win when he plays 60% of the snaps. Every single time he gets a win, he uses that bonus money to buy a new pair of Jordans customized in the colors of the team that he beat
1: fantastic does he actually wear the shoes
3: i doubt it or he wears them the day he gets them and then puts them or i think actually now that i'm thinking about it he wears them just for that week and then when he gets the new win he wears the new shoes
1: genius
3: i think that's what
1: he swag i hope he's wearing them at least for a week at least sometime along the lines. Maybe he can wear them all when he's out of the league in six months. But
3: do to somebody who's making that kind of money to $200 shoes really matter? Well, where's he
1: putting them all? I'm How sure big's he, his closet? I'm Hall sure a he's closet. got a
3: decent closet.
1: Does he? He might not have like bought in a house. It's not like he's been making a ton of money for a long yeah. time. It's not like he's on his third they NFL contract. They keep trying to replace
2: him. They're like, Carson Wentz is better, and then he's not better anymore.
1: Yeah. Well there have like been like three teams that are like this Carson Wentz guys pretty good. I can't wait to find out who does that this off season too. Yeah, seriously. So on the Vikings right now, you say first round exit. I think they're winning a playoff game because it's going to be, well, I know they just lost to them, but Detroit, Washington, the giants, Seattle, it's going to be something like that. I, I, like I still, I still hope it's the Packers by the way, which oh, would God. be hilarious. It
2: would be funny if the um, Packers still managed to get in and then beat them on a year where they're absolute garbage.
1: And then here's the other part for the Vikings. If they win their first game, their second game, also going to be at home if they're the two seed in this scenario, and it's probably not going to be against the Cowboys or the Eagles, which means it would be most likely against the 49ers, who I think are better than the Vikings, but
2: they've been better when they weren't the better team.
1: But that means the Vikings in the second round would just have to beat Brock Purdy to go to the NFC championship. He's the
2: next Tom Brady. Everybody's saying it.
3: Ask how that went on Sunday.
1: Tom Brady and the Bucs are atrocious.
2: Yes. They're so bad.
1: They are awful. The Vikings are not good, but they are 10 times better. They have a running game at least.
3: I had this conversation with Demon yesterday. Brock Purdy, potential offensive rookie of the year.
2: Uh, What? When he first starts in week 13? Yep. Come on. He threw for
1: 185 yards. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. People need to calm down about Brock Purdy. Swag. Like he doesn't have to do a lot for the 49ers to win games. No.
2: Right. That's what they got Christian McCaffrey for. But
1: Max Kellerman on the show yesterday before us was talking about, well, when Garoppolo comes back, you got to keep playing Brock Purdy. Well, in the off season, Brock Purdy's better than Trey Lant. Like he that's threw ridiculous. for 185 yards in a game in which the other team scored 7 points. He did not have to do anything in Boy. that game.
3: Also, didn't McCaffrey have like a hundred? They ran for like two oh
1: nine as a team. Yeah, Purdy didn't have to do anything. They would have won that game with Demon at quarterback.
2: It's <laughs> crazy how much people hate the our Lord and Savior Jimmy Garoppolo because it, Brock Purdy didn't do anything different than what he does. Who
1: is he? Who is he saved? Who? Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: Garoppolo. I think he he saves everyone with his existence. Have you seen those cheekbones? Oh my god. <laughs>
1: What do Brock Purdy's cheekbones look like? I don't like? know. I couldn't pick that really kid out of a lineup like. of two yeah. people. Couldn't
2: tell you who he is. <laughs> couldn't tell you.
1: All right. Um, AFC. Well, we're running out of time, so we'll do this a little quickly. Patriots, Chargers, and Jets are all tied at 7-6. and six. Uh, The Dolphins are one game ahead of them at 8-5, and five, so they could fall That's out That's
2: crazy. The Dolphins are only one game ahead of them.
1: Uh, don't lose two in a row in the NFL. So Patriots, Chargers, Jets, 7-6. and six. One playoff spot between the three of them. Which of those three teams is actually any good?
2: Jets. That feels weird for me to say. It does. That sounds it, weird for you to say out loud. The Chargers, as we've already discussed, have been banged up all year, and I just don't think that they have the the chemistry or the like the buildup to get over the hump and really just do what it need do what needs to be done to find success in the late season. They have
1: so, the easiest schedule remaining. The yep, Chargers do. So it's it, like Indy, the Rams. Uh, the uh, Broncos and I'm blanking on one more but they have a super easy schedule
2: and the Pats don't have an offensive coordinator
1: Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, Tennessee. they do not they, they do not uh, let Mac Jones call the place correct and yeah. since
2: he's such a seasoned vet and, <laughs> and a mature leader at that
1: I'm gonna go Chargers just because of the schedule and mm. they have the best quarterback now the the Chargers defense is not good and both the Patriots and the Jets have a top 10 defense this year so the Patriots or the Jets could simply ride their defense into the postseason and it wouldn't be that surprising
2: well the Jets are so young so they don't even really know what they're getting their, their into yeah
1: they're just
3: you can bad. ride that That's a different can type you? of lightning yeah right. mm-hmm. is that good momentum? Ignorance. yeah absolutely Ignorance?
2: absolutely
1: all right coming up next David Roth joins the show we are happy
0: to talk to him he just seems happy to talk to anyone David Roth from the defector is with us on the press box Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium. David, Norbert, up?
1: dishwasher, is it in?
0: It's not in, but I am I am supposed to meet with him today. So this oh, is, I'm going to meet meter. the man himself. He's going to come to my home, and he's going to look at my stuff, and then he's going to be like, I'll see you in February probably. <laughs> but but see. this is it. This is a big day for us.
1: Big day. All right. We are looking forward to David Roth no longer washing dishes by hand uh, because it's been over a year since David Roth has had a functioning dishwasher. Yeah, what are you,
2: Puritans? What's happening?
1: Yeah. Dishwasher's been broken. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hold on. Can you... Yeah. I know we've talked about this before, um, but you've had the new dishwasher. Where is it currently at?
0: It's. This is the part that's most frustrating is that it's like right where it should be like it would look no different if it was plugged into the wall there just isn't a plug behind it that it can be plugged into so the the kitchen looks normal you might just be like why don't you put those glasses in the dishwasher that's what you do with them and then i would have to say no we're not ready to have our dishwasher working yet it's only been 13 months
2: so are you a hand dry person or you put them on a drying rack like how do you make sure that there's no streaks or bubbles we,
0: we had a drying rack. Okay. Uh, we should be probably hand-drying them because it's, like, just kind of, you know, there's a lot of, like, just wet stuff on that. So, like, every six months, we look at the drying rack, and we're like, that's gross, right? Like, should we throw it away? Like, how do you clean a drying rack? And Then we have to do that. So, yeah, basically, we'll, we're counting on Norbert, the electrician, for a lot. Like, he's not <laughs> – it's not a matter of, like, saving our marriage. We're fine. <laughs> uh, but, like, you know, it would – Take about twenty five percent of the dread out of the end of the day, so that would be sick.
1: Uh, Lindsay, I don't think I've told you this before. Uh, We don't really use our dishwasher because it's just two of us, and like there's not enough stuff to justify running it. But we do use our dishwasher to dry stuff. Like after I hand wash it, I put it in the dishwasher. Don't worry about like the fumes like
2: getting into it, or that there might be something left over. Like that, it's almost like it's not clean in there. You have to get it out immediately.
1: What are you talking about?
2: What? Maybe it's just my dishwasher. Wait, Everybody's you, dishwasher is different. You wait different. for the
1: ding and then go run and open it and put no, stuff away? No, because
2: I, too, try to avoid the wetness that are on the on the fine china, <laughs> which are the plastic cups that are from various sporting events. Cups. Like, literally, my fine china. It's great stuff. <laughs> uh, David, I heard someone called Josh Allen a Jeep Wrangler of a football player. Is there a baseball <laughs> equivalent by model or essence that comes to your mind?
0: This is really good because my – First thought is like, who is the the Kia Soul of Correct. the NFL? Like, who's the <laughs> kind of like boxy, good mileage, but like you don't really want to get seen driving it around on a Saturday night type uh, yeah. quarterback. I mean, Jeep Wrangler is kind of a good call there too, because it's like it, it looks cool, it's faintly Western, it does some stuff, and yet also like maybe not as practical as you would hope sometimes. I'm trying to think of what Daniel Jones would be because this is this is closer to home for you me like a for the longest time. I think for, I would have for
2: DJ. That that's what comes to my mind.
0: Yeah, he's got kind of like one of those With um, like the commercials for a long time that Buick had to have, where like the only thing that they would advertise for that about their cars that it had the internet in it. Like you wouldn't get to see it driving <laughs> around, but they'd be like, "This is actually a very smart car." You know, you can. Uh, you can use Waze just right on this little screen here. <laughs> that kind of was Daniel Jones for a while, but now he's got sort of a uh, like junior Audi, like you know, like my first Benz type feel to it, which is great. That's a huge step forward for me. All
1: right, hold on. Here's here's just a very generic sports radio question. But as one of our few uh, New York regular guests, which New York football team is better?
0: The Jets are better. Yeah, uh, but I think the the Giants and the Jets are both like. The kind of, like, the good kind of bad this year, like, I've been impressed with both of them. I think the Giants are kind of starting to um, run out of gas. That is an awful roster. Like, they were basically, they were, like, tanking for Victor Wambayama before the year. Like, they, I don't understand. Well, you understand it. The Dave Gettleman saddled them with one of the crappiest and most expensive rosters in the sport, and they've just been trying to ride it out. And they've gotten so much more out of it. The Jets, I think, are, like, a year ahead because they had this fantastic draft last year, they did start to you know, put things together in terms of they made some other off-season moves that were more like what you would make if you thought your team was almost ready to be good. The problem was that just their quarterback uh, had bad vibes and was unpleasant to be around but they've gotten awfully far, given that Zach Wilson still has quarterbacked most of their games and that uh, you know Mike White is the best-case scenario to quarterback the rest of them.
1: <laughs> All right. Um, the New York Mets are going to outspend every team in baseball, it appears. My yeah. main question is, how do the rest of the owners in baseball make Steve Cohen the bad guy and try to punish him?
0: They've already done it, right? There's a whole tax tier that the Mets are the only team that's going to pay. <laughs> And I've seen it be called, like, the Steve Cohen tax. But basically they've set up, uh, you know, not even just the repeater thing. There's a second tier that the Mets have now blown past it, which is why their tax bill next year is going to be more than the salaries of, like, eight teams combined. (laughs) It's the – that special thing was designed – because you can't – like he has enough money if he wants to do it he can do it. I think they basically put it there and they were like if you spend more than this it's rude. And he was like okay noted and then just signed <laughs> everybody that he could. But it's kind of it's what's weird about it is that they haven't made a big splashy deal on a guy from another team that like Verlander or at least a huge commitment one. The Verlander signing is a big deal. It's also a two-year signing for a guy who's going to be 40 next year. A lot of the rest of it is Either one year stuff or keeping Brandon Nimmo and keeping Edwin Diaz, and that is, I guess, the Kodai Senga deal is big. It's not a huge annual value thing, but in all those moves, it actually like it doesn't have the feeling of kind of like just spastically spending 125 million dollars, which used to be the the George Steinbrenner way. Like they're kind of trying to run it back. They just as the way that things worked last year, it's like this is how much you have to spend. To keep this 101 win team together because they don't really have a lot of help coming, you know, from anywhere else.
1: As so, okay. Most of us pick our favorite sports teams when we're like eight years old, and I did. N- now that I'm older, I, like if I was picking my favorite sports teams, I would be doing it simply based on ownership because, like, I feel bad for Reds fans or A's fans or Pirates fans. Like they're yeah. just like they're hoping for one good season a decade and like if you became a reds fan at eight you can't really i mean you can but you can't really change that and you're just sort of screwed because your owner wants to spend 72 dollars over the course of an entire season
0: right it sucks i mean i i chose the mets when i was a kid and i was you know i got lucky i was eight when they won the world series so i was like yeah this is just gonna happen every year right my dad was like yeah sure you got a kid (laughs) like and you know it didn't work out the way that it might have but Especially when, you know, when you're know you born into a certain fandom. I have friends who are Pirates fans, and they know that farm system backwards and forwards. And it's a decent farm system in a lot of ways, but it's also, that's what you have. You know, is like you're looking at, like, how's Henry Davis's wrist injury healing? Because the Major League team is so depressing to think about that, like, you basically have to think about them as an abstraction, that they're just, like, some noise that you have to not pay attention to, because the important thing is, is like Leover Pagero lifting the ball in double A. <laughs> and that's like it's especially tough with owners like that. You can't you can't fire them. You know, that like that's the one thing that you can't change about a team. And so you're sort of stuck with those strictures and then you just have to hope for the best within that. I mean the Reds have been competitive and those that ownership group is like sometimes they try and sometimes they don't. The A's right now to me are, are the worst. I mean that is I, I, not just I mean I know what they're doing, you know, and I know that their owner is kind of trying to hold Oakland hostage. But that is grim, man. They won't even keep a guy within two years of arbitration. In the last few years, like they just really seem to be dedicated to running the lowest, crappiest payroll possible, and and then somehow that's their leverage to either get a trillion dollars to build a stadium or to move <laughs> to you in Las Vegas. Like neither one of those seems like a winning proposition to me. But I'm not. A billionaire so maybe I don't understand how that works
2: yeah the only team that I can really think of where it goes from an organization of the have-nots aka we we grow the talent for the other big teams and all of a sudden we're the team that acquires the talent is the San Diego Padres like what other organizations can follow that type of blueprint in terms of all of a sudden making that big commitment and and making big splashes because my larger question is what's the most surprising signing of the baseball offseason so far and why is it related to the Padres
0: I mean, it's definitely, I, to me, it's the Bogarts deal, not because I don't think he's great, but just because that was the deal that I think really cemented to me that there's just like a new type of free agent contract that you know didn't even really exist like three years ago. Like these new deals where it's 10 or 11 years, and it's not, you know, like a huge average annual value over the course of that deal. Some of that is an attempt to get under the luxury tax. That's just because of the way that they calculate that that you'd rather pay a guy $20 million for 10 years than $40 million for five, just because of the way that the, the tax works. But in that case, it's like, I think with the Padres, your point is like correct on the merits, like that they definitely are like the team that's making the most moves. But there's also this sense of, you know, I've seen stories where, you know, executives from other teams are like, where are they getting this money? And the short answer is the same place that any other team would get the money the owner has it they have a tv deal they get a bunch of money from the league every year for all of the different ancillary things having to do with baseball they're just choosing to spend it on the baseball team and i think that that like it's hard not to cheer for them even if you know i've been to san diego like a couple times in my life most of what i remember about it is uh, has to do with carne asada fries or the zoo you know yes. like it's not like it <laughs> made a great impression on me but they, I, it's hard not to pull for them, man. Like cause I feel like any team could be doing it, and they are really doing it big. Like the, and most of the moves seem to make sense. It's not the sort of thing where you just sort of throw in. If they had made that proposed offer to Aaron Judge, uh, that the MLB apparently told them not to make then I think I would feel differently about it. Do you all know about this?
1: No. no. They told him not to give Judge a contract?
0: So this was apparently, uh, this was rumored, this is like John Heyman, and then Ken Rosenthal clarified it, but apparently the Padres w- had an offer that they were going to make to Judge that would have been $400 million over 14 years, which would have played him into his age 43 season, <laughs> I think, which is like, there, nobody has an age 43 season. Like Bartolo and Nelson Cruz have age 43
2: <laughs> Like,
0: I am having my age 43 season right now, (laughs) myself, in my home wearing slippers. Like, this is (laughs) not—and apparently the the league basically said that that was a bridge too far as um, trying to evade the luxury tax. That, like, if you wanted to sign Judge, like, that would have been a way to offer him what no other team would have. And they would have saved money on the average annual value of that. Like, it would have been less than, say, like Bryce Harper or Mookie Betts or a lot of guys are making— they just would have been paying him into his early middle age. And apparently, like, the league uh, made clear that if they made that offer, it would be uh, not well-received, and they did not.
1: Man, in 13 years, if Aaron Judge takes one major league at-bat, the Padres should get some sort of compensation for
0: major league baseball. He's, it's impossible to – him. he, like – if he takes a major league at bat in 13 years, he's going to be wearing like a mech suit, like Sigourney Weaver at the end <laughs> of the Like there's no way that a, that a body that size can play baseball that hard for that long a period of time. I'm, now I want to see it. Like I want to see him like waking up with the same mysterious neck and back pains that I do at this age, <laughs> but then he hits a home earlier in <laughs> the day. I think that'd be inspiring.
1: All right. He's David Roth from Defector. David, as always, we appreciate it.
0: Appreciate you guys. Thank you.
1: So there's david roth on uh major league baseball offseason coming up next united states is out of the world cup but we still got a lot of drama with our soccer team
0: allah is wide on the left see if they use it here they do they need a good ball from the left back to and
3: how about that and this for morocco
0: the moroccan dream is very much alive Messi. Messi still Feeds it through, here's the chance, and Argentina take the lead! Noel Molina! Emiliano Martinez dancing just in front of his goal line. Comanis rolls it in, it's a goal! The Dutch have scored! Can you believe it? You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter, at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler.
2: Featuring All-American Lindsey Brown.
1: she gets so deflated when that gets played. I'm not deflated. I'm just kind of like, ugh. Later in the show, we've got tickets to go see Five Finger Death Punch. Plus, we've got tickets to go see the Golden Knights and the St. Louis Blues uh, a little bit later this month. Uh, World Cup is back today. uh, But we've got U.S. soccer drama to talk about. If you're unaware, Gio Reyna. Uh, who plays for Dortmund in Germany, one of the better teams in Germany. Uh, He played sparingly during the World Cup, despite being one of the United States' better players. Uh, Greg Berhalter, the manager of the U.S., got a lot of criticism for not playing Reyna more. At a leadership summit, Greg Berhalter was talking, and he said that they almost sent a player home during the World Cup. Uh, and gave a few more details about the situation. He did not name the player, but it didn't take much for some media outlets to pick up that and figure out who it was. It was Gio Reyna. Since then, we've had reporting from ESPN and The Athletic about Gio Reyna uh, wasn't giving very much effort, wasn't very intense in the practices and in exhibition before the World Cup started. Um, And that played into why Greg Berhalter did not play him as much. Uh, teammates, actual players on the team even called out Gio Reyna in a meeting. Uh, eventually Reyna apologized to the team, uh, and ended up coming in as a substitute in a couple of games for the United States. But all of that has been made public, uh, either accidentally or by media reporting in the last couple of days. Yesterday, Gio Reyna put out a statement on Instagram. I'll read parts of it. Uh, He said, I hope not to comment on matters of the World Cup. It is my belief that things that happen in a team setting ought to remain private. That being said, statements have been made that reflect on my professionalism and character, so I feel the need to make a brief statement. Just before the World Cup, Coach Berhalter told me that my role at the tournament would be very limited. I was devastated. He did take a little bit of uh, blame by saying... I'm also very emotional, and I fully acknowledge that I let my emotions get the best of me and affect my training and behavior for a few days after learning about my limited role. I apologize to my teammates and coach for this, and I was told I was forgiven. Thereafter, I shook off my disappointment and gave everything I had on and off the field. I'm disappointed that there is continuing coverage of the matter, as well as some highly fictionalized version of events, and extremely surprised that anyone on the U.S. men's team staff would contribute to it. Coach Burhalter has always said that issues that arise with the team will stay in-house so we can focus on team unity and progress. So those are a couple of snippets from his statement. I find, so a couple of things I find interesting. One, that other players had an issue with it. It wasn't just the coaching staff. Yeah, other it tells players. me
2: more than really anything that he right. said.
1: But the part that I find interesting about Gio Reyna's statement that I'm, I'm not uh, particularly enthused by is that he spent most of his statement talking about how this should have remained private, which right. I don't disagree with him. But the real issue here is the way he acted at the World Cup, not that this became public information. Correct. Like that's, that's the main problem. And the
2: training leading up to the World Cup.
1: Right. So, sure, you would like to think that that would not be made public. But at the end of the day, the real issue is how he behaved leading up to the World Cup.
2: This is not an in-house league. Like this is a, this is the World Cup international stage and that's where it's like egos are uh, the male egos undefeated and they're a hell of a drug. <laughs> and I'm not surprised that there's drama like this and that it gets out, but I think it speaks a lot and he's 20 years old right, and he so he's got a lot of growing up to do. I wasn't the greatest teammate of all time either, but you start taking trainings off and kind of half-assing it ahead of the biggest moment of some of your lives, Which is like bizarre. it I don't have you on the team next time around. Yeah, I don't, because you even in your limited role, like you're supposed to be all in. That's the that's what representing Team USA is, and that's what you're supposed to do as a good teammate.
1: In four years, he's going to be our best player as we win the World Cup. You think? Yeah, well, he's really good. He's he's hurt a lot, so he might be hurt. But in four years, he's going to be our best. Here's the thing about Gio Reyna, he could legitimately play in like four World Cups.
2: So this could be a ongoing theme and problem.
1: Well, Burhalter might not be here. Like, that's the thing. Greg Berhalter might not be the manager. The Teammates will Cop. be,
2: though, and that's truly what matters. Yeah,
1: they'll get over it. They like him. Take him drinking in a year when he's 21.
2: He'll score some goals that'll help a lot of wounds.